I love Thanksgiving. It's a great time of the year. And the reason I love it is that it focuses on gratitude. Very positive. It focuses our minds on what God has done for us, what is done for our families, what is done for our friends. But some people, Thanksgiving is not as sweet as that. For example, they may have lost a loved one on Thanksgiving. Or even as we speak today, somebody has passed. Something bad has happened to a family. Think of the people who went through the floods in Florida and in Nova Scotia and Edward Island. Those families wouldn't be thinking that Thanksgiving is great today. But nevertheless, what I want us to explore today is how can we be continually grateful even when things go bad? Every culture in this world celebrates gratitude. Gratitude is a good thing. And those of us who are parents, the most excellent thing, the most dreadful experience of every parent is to have the child for a mother whom you have carried for nine months, gone through labor to deliver, look after, be ungrateful. You give them something good, and they say it's not good enough. It's, it hurts. It hurts a lot. Because ingratitude in every society around the world, ingratitude is something that people do not want. And when you are an ungrateful person, everybody shuns you. Gratitude is a good thing. Now, gratitude comes from a Latin word, gracia. And as you look at gracia, what it means is grace or graciousness. Now, grace is a favor you've not earned. It's something you did not deserve. So when we talk of gratitude, you are talking of gratitude in the sense that you've received a favor or something good from someone that you did not deserve. And as a result of that, you are giving thanks for what the person has done for you. By definition, gratitude will be described as a willingness to recognize that we've experienced a positive outcome not deserved or earned. I'll go again. A willingness to recognize that we've experienced a positive outcome not deserved or earned. The second component of gratitude is that someone else is responsible for that positive outcome or gain. Someone else did it for you, and you're showing gratitude. So gratitude is not for yourself, but it's for the other, the person who has been responsible for the positive outcome. Gratitude to God for creating you. God for sending his one and only son. God for providing and protecting you throughout the year. And gratitude to people. I believe that when we pray all the time and ask God to intervene in our lives, the number one way he does it is through people. And so you cannot say you are grateful to God when you don't show gratitude to people. It misses the whole point. 
Because people are the means, are the channels through which God is blessing your life. And so the two go together, vertically to God and horizontally to people. And it could be anyone, your parents, your children, your family, your friends, your cosmates, your boss, or even a stranger who does something for you. For this reason, people who are narcissistic are usually ungrateful because it's all about them. And when even they have received a favor, they think they've earned it. They think they deserve it. And so narcissistic people are never grateful. They are never pleased with anything because it's all about them. Gratitude is for the other. It's for God. It's for someone. Someone who's shown you kindness. A stranger you didn't even know whom you met by accident, who's been kind to you. That is what gratitude is all about. But gratitude goes with humility. You can't be a grateful person and be proud because gratitude in itself is an attitude, an act of humility, acknowledging debt to the other person. So before you can be grateful to somebody, you must acknowledge that you owe them a debt of gratitude. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. And if you don't realize that, then your gratitude is not sincere. It's mere words. But if gratitude is coming from the heart, you've discovered and recognized that you owe that person a debt for what they have done, whether big or small. And often, even it's the small things that are so impressive. So it's acknowledging debt, and so humility goes with gratitude. People who are grateful tend to be very humble. Whatever little thing you do for them, they appreciate it. They know they are undeserving. They know you didn't have to do it for them. They are not good enough to deserve it, and they are grateful. Our generation has been described as the most entitled generation ever. There's prosperity. There's scientific advance, advancement in science, in medicine, in business. We have acquired so much in this modern era that we become so entitled. And the more entitled we get, the less grateful we are because we think we deserve it. We've worked hard enough. I've earned the promotion. I should get it. It was based on my effort, not the favor that was shown to me. But gratitude does not depend on what you have. Actually, sometimes, the less you have, the more grateful you are. When I used to work at Mark, I had a colleague who was a, a surgeon whose son was studying in Africa. And he was going to visit Africa for the first time. And knowing that I'm originally from Ghana, he invited my wife and I to just inquire, what is it like? What should they expect? So sure enough, he and his wife visited Ghana. And weeks after, he sent me a message. Isaac, I want us to meet. And when I met him, he said, our lives have been transformed by the simple experience of visiting Africa. How people could be so grateful with little. And he said, my wife and I, since we returned, we've changed the way we look at life completely. 
I said, we have so much, and yet we want more, and yet we are not satisfied, and yet we, we lack gratitude. And you go to Africa, and the little thing you do for people, they're so grateful, and they have so little, and yet they are grateful. So it doesn't depend on what you have. It doesn't depend on what has been done for you. Gratitude is an attitude. It's an act of humility. But what it also does, it counteracts negative emotions like resentment. In fact, the two cannot coexist together. When you are resentful, you are not grateful. You don't even see it. If somebody points out something positive, you don't see it. It's the opposite. Resentment and gratitude cannot coexist. Envy. When you are envying someone, you are not grateful for the little you have. You are focusing on what they have. And so gratitude counteracts resentment and envy. And doctors and psychologists, well, there's a whole entity called positive psychology. And doctors know this. Neuroscience has confirmed that when you are grateful, you have less stress hormones. Your blood pressure is lower. Your pulse is lower. Your neurotransmitters Dopamine and serotonin are released. People who are grateful are happier. They sleep better. They have better relationships. Couples, one of the things that ruins marriage is ingratitude. Couples know that. If you're grateful for the little things you do for one another, your marriage is likely to flourish. So neuroscience has even discovered that gratitude it's a good thing. It gives you a better life. And it's an antidote to anxiety and depression. But for those of us who describe ourselves as Christians, what does gratitude really mean? And if you want a psalm, a recommendation for Thanksgiving as you gather at the table, I don't know of a better psalm than Psalm 103. A psalm of Thanksgiving. A song that David wrote. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He said, let all that I am, others say, let all that is within me, let everything within me praise the Lord. With my whole heart, with my whole heart, not just part, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Notice he didn't say, may I never forget the things he did for me or the things he has done for me. But may I never forget the thing he does for me. The thing about humanity is that we are so forgetful. We, we, we forget so soon. Something good happens to us, we celebrate it for a moment, the next moment we are resentful. 
We've forgotten what has happened to us. What the psalmist, what David is saying is that, may I never forget what he does for me, what he's doing for me this very moment. You are breathing all right, okay? And let me tell you, this Thanksgiving, we'll be gathering around the table enjoying good food. But you lose your taste, your sense of taste. Actually, during COVID, one of the signs of COVID was that you lose your sense of taste and smell. And I had a good friend who contracted COVID. And he said, the most dreadful thing when I was beginning to get better was that I couldn't taste the food. So simple things like having your tastes and be able to enjoy good food is something you need to be thankful for. But he specifies other reasons why he's thankful. He forgives all my sins. We'll be having communion after my message. And it's, I think it's so appropriate on Thanksgiving weekend. He has forgiven all my sins. The writer of that famous hymn, It Is Well, says, My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Your sin is nailed to the cross. If ever you are being a little resentful and not appreciating how good God is to you, just look to the cross. Christ, the Son of God, not only redeems us from sin, but he himself became the sin offering. That God offered himself as a sin offering so that we may be forgiven. If I lower down in the psalm, he says that, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender in compassion to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wild flowers we bloom. For his unfailing love towards us is great as the height of the heavens above the earth. And he has removed our sins so far from us as the east is from the west. We are forgiven this is the good news that Christians enjoy. And this is the message of Christianity. Our sins are forgiven, and he continues to forgive us every day, every moment. Not only that, he heals all our diseases. Well, somebody may say, well, I have a chronic illness. He hasn't healed me yet. But I can tell you that even when you have a chronic illness, you can know healing from God in your emotions, and in your faith. He redeems me from death. Have you come to a near-death experience? I was watching CBC about the, the, uh, the hurricane, Hurricane Ian, and its devastation in Florida. And a woman was being interviewed, lived on one of the islands, I think Sanibel Island, who had lost virtually everything. And as they were showing the devastation and how things have been thrown over, the chaos, the, the distraction, and as she was tearfully narrating everything, she then had a little smile and said, but I am alive. He said, this is, this is just material things. As long as we are alive, we have hope for tomorrow. So even when things are bad, we know that he has delivered us from death, and that is more than enough. He crowns me with love and tender mercies. 
He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Have you ever met a friend, a classmate in school who has had a, a rough life, who has gone the wrong path? And you, when you meet them, you look at them and they are about twice your age. Have you had that experience before? Yes. And it just dawns on you. How, how, how could this be my classmate? We are the same age. But it, it, they've aged because life has beaten them so much. And then you become so grateful for what God has done for you. You begin to appreciate. And that's what the psalmist is saying there. He renews my youth as that of an eagle. Praise the Lord. He's so good to us. So let's tackle some key questions before we close. How often then should we be showing gratitude to God? How often, you may ask? Well, he gives us the answer. In Hebrews 13, 15, Paul writes, or the writer to the Hebrews writes, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Continual. Not once, not twice, not three times a day, but continuously. Let us give a sacrifice of praise. Let us be grateful for the great things he's done for us. But in what circumstances? In what circumstances? First Thessalonians 5.18 Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Often, when Christians come to their spiritual leaders, one thing they talk about all the time is, I find it hard knowing what God's will for me is. I'm looking for a life partner. I find it hard to know what God's will is. I'm looking for a career. I don't know what God's will is. But there are a few occasions where God's will has been made so clear. And this is one of them. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Unquestionable. If you are grateful for everything you have, you are in God's will. That is God's plan for you. But what if things are bad? What if the experience is negative? What if I lose a loved one or I lose a job? What if I can't pay my bills? What if I've been alone and rejected? What if I've had a broken relationship? How can I be grateful in those circumstances? Paul, in his letter to Romans, chapter 5, writes... We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. So what he's saying here is that we are not rejoicing for the event, the negative event. We are not rejoicing just merely for the trials, but it is what the trials do for us. The trials help us to develop endurance. Now, ask me, or if I ask you, how can you develop endurance unless you are put through a test? How can you develop patience Unless you've had to wait for something. 
Think of it. You recruit soldiers, you're going to take them to war. The only way to let them develop endurance is to put them through strenuous exercise, push them to the limit. Football players, when they are recruited, they go to camp, and they take them through endurance. Now, it is painful. It is a painful thing. But it's the only way to develop endurance and to develop patience. And that's what Paul is saying here, that we can even rejoice because they produce good fruit in us. Have you had the experience where an opportunity came, you applied, and you didn't get it? And you were so sorrowful. Oh, God, how can you really put me in this situation? I wanted this job so badly. And then subsequently, a year after, you are recruited into a better job. Have you had that experience before? And then you look back. And when you look back, you said, oh, my goodness. What I thought was a painful experience, what I thought was a big loss, was indeed something to rejoice about. That is the reality of the Christian walk, that we can be grateful in all circumstances, whether good or bad. In great days, in bad days, we can still be grateful because our Lord is good and we know that his will for us is to give him thanks in all things. The great novelist Charles Dickens, we all know Charles Dickens. If you went to school, you'll have, you have read one of his books as literature. The Great Expectations, The Tale of Two Cities, Oliver Twist. He said... In 1897, reflect on your present blessings, of which every person has many. Not your past misfortunes, of which all people have some. Once you begin to count your blessings, I don't care what you're going through now. It may be tough. It may sound like the end of the world. Your blessings outnumber the misfortunes. And that's what Charles Dickens is saying here. Reflect on those positive blessings and be grateful. And not on those misfortunes. We all have some. Maybe you have, some, you have more than others, you think. But everyone has a misfortune. But let us reflect on the good, on the blessings, and what God has done for us. I want us to have a spirit of gratitude this Thanksgiving. And not just this thanksgiving, but even beyond. Because thanksgiving and the spirit of thanksgiving should put us into an attitude of gratitude that leads us to practice gratitude. So let me give you something to do as a practice. Thanksgiving is happening already. Some families may have had their Thanksgiving meal. Anybody had it already? Ah, some have had it already. Some may have it tomorrow. And I'm sure it was a good time of celebration. But why don't you do this? Don't let it end with thanksgiving. So why don't you say that when you go to God in prayer, the predominant part of your prayer is going to be thanksgiving. Look, God knows what you need. Jesus said. Even what you don't think you need, he knows you need it. 
He remembers that we are weak. That's what David said in the psalm. He knows that we are just dust. He's like a father who has compassion on his children. And parents here, you think about your children when they are asleep and they are oblivious of what the world is like. You think of them. You plan for them. You plan years ahead. That's what God is to us. So don't rush to him with your needs. He knows your needs. That crisis in your life, he knows it more than you know. He knows the origin of the crisis. He knows what the end is going to be. Just go and thank him for what you have, what he has done for you. Let your prayer life be full of thanksgiving. Spend more time thanking God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I tell you, your attitude to life will be totally different. You'll be living a more victorious life. When Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, the request come at the end. Our Father, who, I, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Praise God. Tell him what he has done for you. Be grateful for the, what he has done for you. And then at the end, having been so thankful for what he has done, Lord, you know my need. You know it too well. You know that my mother is ill, and I want you to touch my mom. You know that I need this job. So make it a goal that after Thanksgiving, beyond Thanksgiving, your prayer life is going to be more of thanking God. But not only that, what about thanking a person or people who have done something for you that you've never had the opportunity or the privilege to say thank you to. I tell you what, this experience happened to me only yesterday. My wife and I were invited to a friend's house. His granddaughter was being celebrated, was born, a naming ceremony. There's the culture. A lot of people were gathered. And once the ceremony was over, we were just having a conversation. And just by chance, one woman said, are you Dr. Odami? I said, yes. Then I realized that she was beginning to get very emotional. She said, I've been looking for you since 1987. <laughs> now, here's the story. In 1987, I was a pediatric resident in Ghana. This woman brought her son, who was having convulsions, was having a lot of problems. And she said, you took care of him. And not only that, you encouraged us and you prayed with us. I just want you to know that that boy is now 37 years old and is married. And she was just nervous to show me his photograph. Now, the truth is that I don't remember any of this. But, but she got it right. 1987, I was in Ghana. 1987, I was working in pediatrics. And she even told me who referred her to me. So I knew she was telling the, the true story. But I couldn't remember. And I was in danger of saying, oh, it's not me. I was just about to say that. But she got it right. Now, there are people who have done things for you who are not even aware that they've done for you. 
and it's good to look for them. Just say, hey, this is me. You may not remember this, but you know that kind word you said to me? You know that statement you made? You know that gift you gave to me? You know that advice you, did from, you gave me was transformative, and I want you to know that. It's good to show gratitude to people because God uses people to bless us. And many times, they are not even aware that they've done you that good. But you telling them brings blessing to them. And the woman was very tearful. So this morning, I sent her a note to say, I thank you for blessing me with that testimony. There are many people in your lives that you have not said thank you to. They may even be your parents that you haven't said thank you for a particular thing. Thanksgiving, and beyond Thanksgiving, let's practice gratitude. And let's say to people, thank you for what you did for me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you've done for us through Christ. And what you do for us even more day after day, hour after hour. And for the people in our our lives who bless us. Lord, give us the spirit of gratitude. Fill us with gratitude for what you have done and for what others have done for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.